Hi, everybody. We have a really interesting conversation coming up today with Sarah Breckman, who is a hypnotist who has been having a very interesting confluence of experience of regressions that are focusing on Atlantis and Lemuria. And uh, anyone who's followed my work knows that my belief, my true belief, is that the only way we're going to understand our ancient origins and how we've come to where we are now is by piecing together collectively through our collective and individual memories what happened in our ancient past that is trapped inside ourselves as trauma and also as an invitation and talents and skills that we have yet to brush off in this lifetime. So let's go to Sarah. Sarah, welcome. Thank I'm you so happy. much for having me. Yeah, I'm happy to have you here. Uh, your book, A Hypnotist Journey to Atlantis. Um, this kind of came across my desk, I think by a member of uh, my community called Our Neighborhood. And someone said, oh, I'm loving what I'm seeing here. So I believe I purchased a copy of it um, and just started diving in because I'm particularly fascinated with Remembrances of Atlantis. And I, I found this absolutely fascinating. And everybody reading it right now that's reflecting back to me is also loving it and finding it fascinating. So we wanted to get a little deeper into it in this conversation to share with others who have not yet read the book. So first off, you're in the Keys in Florida probably one of the closest jump off places to uh, Atlantis where Atlantis mm -hmm. once was. And I don't think that's a coincidence. Tell us a little bit about what drew you to the keys, the experience there is. And then I'd like to hop into your career as a hypnotist, how you ended up there and how these people started finding their way to you. Sure. Um, I always just wanted to move somewhere warm. I really didn't think about moving to the keys. It was just a coincidence that I moved here. But once I moved to the Keys, I fell in love. It's just absolutely beautiful. I live in a very small town right on the water. The ocean is right outside my window. And um, I didn't know that there was a reason why I lived in the Keys. And um, the way I became a hypnotist was that I actually had a lot of problems when I was younger. So I went to traditional therapy. And in traditional therapy, I didn't really find the answers I was looking for, but I thought it was very helpful. But what that led me to go to college to become a psychologist, or I was going to become a psychologist, but I didn't get that far. Um, I graduated from Northeastern University um, in psychology, and I was going to go further into graduate school, but I took um, an internship where I was working for a halfway house with, for mentally ill patients. And a lot of them had um, schizophrenia or what they called schizophrenia, but a lot of them were just these amazing, beautiful people who were talking to angels or extraterrestrials. And my job was to drug them. I just felt like something was off, that maybe there was another way to help these people. So I became a hypnotist and I was a, I became a master hypnotist. And then I realized right away that when I would do a past life regression, there was something about doing a past life regression with people that they could heal themselves quicker than doing the traditional lose weight, quit smoking, different, you know, hypnotherapy techniques. And so I delved into past life regression and I got, I started, I, I went to a school with Dr. Brian Weiss in New York, took his class. And then I, just delved into his method and did that method for a while. And then I finally found out about Dolores Cannon. And once I did, it was as if I just knew that's what I needed to do. 
And so I started with her method and I got really good at it and I worked my way all the way up to become a level three practitioner, which is the highest level you can get to in quantum healing hypnosis technique. And before the quarantine, I was traveling the world with her daughter, Julia Cannon. We were teaching, I went to Egypt and Machu Picchu and different places all over the world, which is absolutely amazing. So that's kind of my start into this work. I love it. It's succinct and tells us a lot about you. And um, I, I don't know if you know, but I had a little hypnotherapy clinic years ago, once upon a time. And my favorite thing was always regression. I found it had the deepest impact. Uh, in addition, uh, I think you know I interviewed Dolores uh, two or three times, uh, not that long before she died, actually. And also, back in 2000, had a profound regression with her, which we'll talk about at some point a little bit because it dovetails with your story. Meanwhile, you were with Brian Weiss. Of course, uh, anybody that knows anything about past lives knows of Brian Weiss and his work. So you're very well trained. I really respect what you have, uh, the path you've taken to be able to be so effective in this field because it's a, it's a, it's a special skill set to be super effective, I find, at regressing people. That's a little different skill set than just working with, like you say, uh, breaking smoke, uh, other phobias and habits, so to speak. Thank you so much. Uh, I, it's just fantastic. It's amazing this inner journey people can go on and that can, they can really learn so much about themselves, who they really are, their true purpose, and they can even heal their body, which is why QHHT is so popular these days. Yes, absolutely. Okay, now let's, that's a little about you. Let's talk about the character in the book that you called Jen. I don't, I'm assuming that's not her real name. That is her real name, actually. She, so you said you changed she wanted, Okay, good. Jen has her own book. It's called Child of the Universe by JLF Sullivan. Okay, all right. So let's get into what you and Jen experienced together because that's really the bulk of this book. In addition, you have a few other people who you regressed who had very similar stories to some of the more esoteric parts of what Jen talked about, but also you were regressed in your this book as well so we can go somewhat uh, in a linear fashion through the book but we don't have to so let's talk about Jen's first experience in past life regression when she found herself on earth um, just to set a background for this well the background is really fascinating because she didn't know anything about past life regression she never read a Dolores Cannon book she wasn't into spiritual things at all so you know when I approached Atlantis? did she know excuse me just I'm sorry to interrupt did she know about Atlantis Lemuria and all no. of those mm -mm. Okay. none of that so I thought she was an excellent subject an excellent excellent candidate for this because she didn't know anything so she had no bias and it helped it helped me really um, believe in what I was uncovering too because of that reason I think I would have had doubts if it was any other way, but she didn't, she wasn't into anything spiritual. And when I approached, have, when I approached her asking her if she wanted to have a session with me, I was really afraid of what she was going to say because I didn't know how she felt about past life regressions or anything like that. Why and did she, she come to you to begin with or was she someone you just knew? Well, the funny thing is we were so set up by the universe. There were so many things that, were not coincidences. We were together all the time. We were so set up. We 
had kids of the same ages. We sat at the playground almost every single day. And our, our kids, we just watched our kids play. And I never brought up any, um, anything about spiritual things at all because I just let other people come to me. If they want a session or if they want to talk to me about spiritual things, they usually come to me. So when I asked her, I don't know why I asked her. I just asked her. I was, I was going to become a level three practitioner and I needed a subject. So I was kind of put on the spot and I needed a subject right away. And I thought, well, she's always around. I'll just ask her. And when I asked her, she, she shocked me. She said she had been looking for something like that because she had this brain condition called pseudotumor cerebri. And it was this flooding of her brain. It mimicked a tumor, but what it was doing was causing severe headaches and lethargy. And she was working really closely with a team, a specialist at the University of Miami. And they put her on these heavy duty medications and they said, there's no other cure for this. You have to stay on these medications. And after our first session, she was healed. She went back to the team and they said, this is completely impossible. We don't have any explanation for this, especially because she stopped her medication. But it was because she, it was because there was a purpose in that tumor. It was to bring her to me to yeah. uncover this information. So it was no longer needed anymore. I love but it. it was amazing. The first session, really blew us both away. In that session, we found out that she had done this in a previous lifetime. She had uncovered all this valuable information about Lemuria and Atlantis. And she was, she was sharing this information, but it was in the 70s. She was called crazy, lobotomized, and she jumped off a bridge. And this is the next life where she's here to do this again, to share this important information. She had no idea before the session. And once she found out in the session, she wanted to find out more and more. So we started to work together. Okay. So let's dive in to the beginning of her story when she first came to earth, because this very much has to do with um, the story of other, other cultures, off-planet cultures, ETs, aliens, and so forth right. that came to earth. And there are, this is one of the... Mm, I call it a pixel of the portrait of the development of humanity. This was her experience in it. So let's start there. It was so fascinating because we thought we were going to start from the beginning of that lifetime. And I asked her higher self to start from that beginning. And we were, we were shocked and surprised that she didn't start from the beginning of that lifetime. She started as an extraterrestrial coming to earth for the first time. And what we uncovered was so mind-blowing. It basically told the whole story of how this set of ETs came to Earth, why they came to Earth, and what happened to them. And it basically told this whole story that we weren't, neither one of us were aware of until that point. And what was funny was I started having other clients come and tell similar stories. It was no, I mean... It was no coincidence, but it was just funny at the time. And I included one of those in the book. But yes. even though I only included a few other examples, there were so many people that came and, and told these similar stories. Yes, they, so you were drawing them in so that you could 
start this dialogue in among people who are interested and who have had who have trapped trauma and, and such from Atlanta. So she came as an ET. They essentially had a crash craft, and she she was a man, and mm -hmm. their team essentially uh, had to figure out how to survive in this environment. And ultimately, most of them died through just kind of no will to live. There was nothing recognizable for them here. They weren't among their own people. And the people that they did find in that location were relatively primitive, mm -hmm. as I recall. And he developed yeah. a relationship with one of these native beings at the time. Well, he felt like he didn't have anything. So he wanted something. And he had this desire to, to mingle with the native people there. And so he started this relationship with one of the natives there. Meanwhile, his other crewmates considered them monkeys and they didn't want anything to do with these native people. But um, Jen, her name, she called herself a commander in that lifetime, wanted to instigate this relationship because she felt that that was the only thing she could do. And she felt as if that was her purpose being there. And the interesting thing was that um, it, it was, it, it, she took some time to explain that the female that he in that lifetime approached really uh, was, they were very, very cautious about these outsiders coming. They were very suspicious, took a long time to get this female to even allow him near her. Ultimately, they developed a kind of relationship that was awkward, but they did mate. And he said they had several children, um, all of whom died except one. And the ones who were born um, were outcasts in society. They were also thought of very suspiciously. So it wasn't, an, it wasn't a particularly productive lifetime from what he knew, but the one survivor did go on and started carrying the genetics from where he was from into their tribe and their, their race of people at that time, which we might consider more Neanderthal in their appearance, right? The way he I described them, yes. And it was interesting too, because in that lifetime, as she left that lifetime, she, she realized that that lifetime was a success because the purpose of that lifetime was the survival of that one child, that one girl that had the genetics of both the alien race and human race. Yes. And so now let's kind of just scoot on past that and go to the first time that uh, Jen found herself in Lemuria, which at the time was a matriarchal culture based on essentially passivity and care and non-competition and generally more feminine traits of the time. And she was in a matriarchal lineage and uh, was the one who was going to become uh, the person, the, the leader, who was about to become the leader, but this was during the time just prior to Lemuria essentially sinking. Share a little bit about that experience. Right, she found herself as the daughter of what she called the queen, the ruler there. And her existence was a beautiful existence. The women ruled, and the reason why the women were the rulers or the leaders there was because they had this intuitive knowledge that was so sacred and powerful. And what's interesting is in, pre-history, it seems as if that was the case, that the females were the leaders because of this instinct that they carried, which could save others' lives. They knew what to eat and what not to eat and how to run a society in the best way that they could. So anyway, she was the daughter of this ruler and she was being groomed to be the ruler. And now 
the mother dies shortly before Lemuria ultimately sunk. And this is where we start getting into the, well, one of the major phases of cataclysmic trauma that the human species still carries, including many people who've incarnated today who were there at that time, who were also in one of the various destructions of Atlantis. This goes really deep. So let's talk about what happened. She took her position, but not for very long, just for a couple months, and the great disaster came. Let's talk about that. Right. Well, visitors started showing up, and they started showing up. And I had always wondered, why did the Atlanteans come to Lemuria? Lemuria was uh, you know, not as advanced as Atlantis. Why would they go to Lemuria? And um, the reason was they had this virus in Atlantis, and it was killing lots of people. And so they, they had been spying on the Lemurians because they had a lot of um, you know, advanced technology, and they noticed that they weren't getting sick. They had this strange immunity to things, so they wanted to find out what it was. And so they eventually, the Atlanteans made themselves known and were asking questions and wanted the crystals, basically. And as I recall, it was a very specific kind of crystal that they used to be able to keep their vibrations, their frequencies high. As she said, they experienced pain uh, like anybody else, but they knew how to deal with it. They had ways of dealing with it, but they didn't have chronic illness. Uh, You died of old age, basically. And so the Atlanteans were there to scout the technology that allowed to have these uh, perfectly functioning immune systems. And they were in part, it sounds, responsible for her mother's death. And they were, yes, because she wouldn't give them to. They would um, not give that information up because this information would have allowed them access to technology that was very powerful and in the wrong hands, as it is today, uh, yes. would, not, would not be wise to have it in the wrong hands. Now, so Jen was taken out. She didn't go down, but she saw what happened in the devastation and they made her look at it over and over. And now this part is really difficult for a lot of people because we saw this in 2005 in Thailand in the tsunami a bit. Mm-hmm. There were some reflections of it, but this, the whole thing went down. Let's right. talk about the fact there were survivors. There were those who were out on a way for other purposes and missed it. She was taken out. But many of the people that most of the people, all the people she knew and loved and were in her culture died. Right. And there are so many people that remember this wave deep and they have deep trauma from this wave. So many clients that have come talking about this wave in their sessions. Eerie. It's eerie because they talk about the water. For some reason, the water had receded and the shoreline was, was deep and vast with fish just floundering around on it. And this eerie quiet. I remember that part. Right. And no one, know, no one knew where the water went. And so a lot of the children went out to play and try to catch the fish. And the fishermen were upset because their boats were on their sides. And it was very eerie. No one knew what happened to the but water. The water had receded. Right. And when right. it came back, that was, that was the end of Lemuria. And that was, that the, was the end of Lemuria. But there were survivors. There were some survivors that were on boats at the time. And a lot of survivors ended up in Mount Shasta, California. Okay. And that, I remember reading that part of the book, which of course is still known for its mystical qualities. 
um, today. Uh, but Jen herself was taken to Atlantis, right? Yes, she was taken to Atlantis and she was a prisoner for 60 years in Atlantis. And they kept her in isolation. They kept trying to force the information out of her, um, force her to tell where the, the crystals were located and where they lived and were charged and where they were located. Uh, now, by this time, it would be irrelevant because uh, essentially because Lemuria was under the water. But they thought that they could get this information out of her. And so she lived a long and very isolated, uh, torturous kind of life. But she talked a little bit about what she saw of the people and kept explaining them um, as very cold technocrats. Society was ordered in a very hi hierarchical manner. I hope you're enjoying this video because if you are, there are dozens more like it on my site, all supported by people like you. So if you'd like to keep this work rolling in and join our community, just click on the Patreon button at reginameredith.com. That also gives you access to insider commentary, my live book club, and other live events with special guests. So join in. Thanks. And later, you come into the story in your regression because anyone who has studied Atlantis has heard of the genetic experimentations that went on um, crossbreeding humans and animals, um, our DNA, and had all sorts of manifestations of that. But let's talk for a moment longer about the virus. It wasn't just Jen. A couple other people said when they landed in Atlantis, it was like there was this smog in the air. Pick that up. So many people in their sessions talk about this smog. And I never knew what the smog was until my regression with, or my session with Jen, and I found out the smog was actually bodies being burnt. And so because so many people were dying from this virus, they would burn the bodies as a way to get rid of the bodies, and it created this smoke everywhere. So a lot of people saw this smog. I thought at first maybe it was from their technology, but it wasn't. It was from the bodies being burnt. But yet there was a a really deadly virus at the time in Atlantis. And do you want me to talk about the vaccine? Oh yeah, please do. Be, and then I just wanted to say, if you want to bring in the other, I don't know if his name was Miguel, I can't remember right now, the man oh, who yeah. regressed, who didn't know anything about any of this and said, yeah, I'm in this place and there's this stuff in there. It looks like they're burning bodies and there was a virus. So he said the same thing, not knowing anything about this. So let's talk about this virus and the vaccine and what happened as a result. Because of course, right now, People will find that interesting. Well, I, I, it's amazing because this book has so many correlations to what is going on in the world now. I mean, things are different, obviously, but there are a lot of correlations. And there's a reason for that is to trigger people, to wake them up, to, to make them want to go inwards, to figure out um, just who they really are. But yes, there was a, a vaccine that they developed but it's not like they have now. It wasn't with a needle. It was a slit in the arm, and they would put the um, genetic material, the vaccine, in, and and put something that looked like a putty over it. And it was given to every single person. And at first, it seemed like a huge success. People weren't getting this virus anymore. It looked fantastic. But the side effects of the vaccine was what led to this destruction, basically. Because it wasn't until the first set of babies started being born that they realized the repercussions. There were babies being born with what looked like animal parts, animal DNA, um, genetic mutations. 
And because there were so many of them, they needed to place these animal people, essentially, somewhere other than Atlantis. It wasn't right away that they knew they had to place them somewhere else. It was when they started to grow up and become teenagers or young adults, and they were just violent, some of them. And they it couldn't really be in a normal way that fit into society. Exactly. And the Atlanteans were different than people are now. They were very, very judgmental, extremely judgmental. You had to be a certain way or you weren't really a part of their society. So these people were essentially put somewhere else. And that is where I come in. <laughs> yes. And I just wanted to add something right here um, because this is important to know. It appears to me that where Jen had ended up at that time was the final phase of Atlantis because was. Atlantis was then gone. There were previous destructions of Atlantis as it was a very large continent initially that broke off in phases. The northern part went down, the middle went down, and the southern part that everybody, Plato and every talk, everyone talks about and writes about with the city of the concentric circles and the moats in between and the tiering of society. Um, at the, from the center of the the elites at the center to the kind of mutants and slaves and people that were being used on the outer ring. That was the final stage of Atlantis, the latter stages that we have all heard about and read about. When I was there in previous stages, it wasn't that way. The northern parts and the very, very early parts were much more using mental technologies as they did in Lemuria. And oh, then, okay. yeah. And so when I was reading this, I thought, gosh, what? I, don't, I don't recall that because I've been back a few times through regressions, including Dolores Cannon's, which was the final day of one of the destructions. But it wasn't that destruction because we were using inner technology and outer technology. So it might be there were other groups of people that were working with the inner technologies of the mind and such that were simply sequestered from the outer world that was using these technologies. So it's very, that's why we need a lot of people to be regressed to put this story together. Definitely. So, yeah. But it was my job to tell this part of the story. Absolutely. And I'm sure that's why I had the clients come from that part. But of course, I'm sure there were other destructions. I'm, I'm sure. Well, I'm now sure. that I, I bring this forward and, and people are feeling this, it might be other people from other phases of Atlantis' history, which was a very, very long period of time. Of course. And current with Lemuria and even Egypt, early, early Egypt, a couple hundred thousand years ago was concurrent with it. Uh, the days of Atlantis. So we have a lot of people that still need to come to you and others like you to bring this story mm -hmm. forward. So I just wanted to expand that little bit of it because the glimpse we're getting is the destructive phase of Atlantis and how that happened and how we're repeating some of those potential errors at this time. Now let's bring your story into it because you were a judge. I was, I was with the Lord's right? Yes, I was with Dolores Cannon's daughter, and my job was to assist in the class, in the level two class in Miami. And um, as part of the class, they regressed somebody. So they picked me because I'm easy to regress. And so they, I went into regression and found that I was a judge during this time. All the while, I didn't really know my place in this history. I hadn't had uh, access to it. But I, when that happened, I really got to understand why I was doing this, why I'm really doing this. 
And I found out I was a judge during that time of Atlantis. And part of my job was to figure out who could stay and who could go. And so I would sort through thousands of cases. And if the person had um, animalistic qualities and they were violent, I was told they would be taken to this island, which apparently is right outside my window <laughs> or not, you know, just I live in the Keys right here. Um, and they would say that they were taking these people and giving them a great life and giving them food and other resources. But what they were really doing was they were killing them. I didn't You didn't know, know this until much later when you actually went to the island, right? I went to the island and when I got there, I didn't I couldn't believe that there weren't any people there. I had no idea what happened to the people. And I noticed that I had a cough and it was very dusty. Meanwhile, I'm doing this regression in front of this class and people in the class start to cough. I don't know this, but I was told this later. People were coughing. People were having all this dust issues because this wasn't just for me. This was a group regression. Everyone in that room had been there and they remembered some of the things. So I was coughing and I thought, where are the people and why is there all this dust? And I realized the people were the dust. The people had been incinerated. They had been evaporated, basically. Kind of vaporized with the uh -huh. technology of the day. And I think, well, I know part of the reason why I'm so passionate about sharing this information and trying to help as many people as I can is because I didn't get the chance to do that in that lifetime. So I think that's why I'm, I'm, I'm here again <laughs> to try my best and you're but, magnetizing people to you that are helping you recover this information they're just naturally finding you and they are naturally I never advertised that I wanted to regress people from Atlantis or Lemuria so it was so it was just so divinely planned it was, it's so amazing it's just amazing how we just don't know people by accident everything is planned basically but I know that somebody can read something or hear something and it can help them on a profound level. And the reason why I know this is because this happened to me. I had always had this weird shoulder issue in my left shoulder and I never really knew why I had this pain. It would hurt when I would lift it and I just never really knew why. And I had this client come and she recognized me in the session. And she, I was her sister and I had my shoulder, my, this same shoulder dislocated in the session and I was taken away in some old car or whatever. I didn't think anything of it. I really didn't think anything of her session, but it wasn't until the next day when I was driving my car, I realized that my shoulder had healed. So I realized from me just hearing about this information, it was enough to heal my shoulder. And that is one of the biggest reasons why I wrote this book, because I know people don't have to actually remember to experience the healing. Something in them can be triggered by reading this book. And for a lot of people, the phobia of water has been a big one. Uh, mm -hmm. This horrible fear of being inundated by a giant wave, which is, we can't even imagine the terror. And a lot of that time, the phobias recede. Once they're able to go back into it, to see where it's come from, it just recedes like the water itself, so to speak. And yes. so this, is, this is very healing. 
One of the things that Jen saw also was as she was looking at the culture, some of the things these people were learning as they went to schools, the, a kind of school that occurred in Atlantis. And I had also been back in Atlantis in schools, in regressions. And the, again, the difference in what you're learning in one part or one phase of Atlantis versus the other is absolutely fascinating. Um, and yeah including what happened in the final destruction, even though it went very similarly, kind of like an incineration. It did. You know, it's really interesting because it's even just like our world. In one part of the world, it's so different than the rest of the world. So I'm sure there were sections and groups of people that were using mind control or or, or crystals or doing different things. And I'm sure there were many different phases which is so fascinating. Um. <laughs> it is. It is. And you and I were talking uh, a couple days ago prior to this, and I said, and I shared with you that um, my regression experience of the end of Atlantean times was in Dolores uh, Cannon's book, Convoluted Universe uh, 2, Volume 2. And it was, uh, I looked it up, it was page 132. She had changed my name to Rita. Uh, a, a journalist. I think she said I was a television producer, right? And it gives 12 pages of what that regression experience was like. And for me, it was a matter of having lost this incredibly beautiful functional matrix that in our being and spirit and minds, we had created with the cosmos and this particularly with the sun. And that, that was going to be destroyed at this phase of Atlantis, we would have disturbed that connection with the sun so that the sun was working perfectly harmoniously with us and all living things at that time. And that's what I started crying over during that regression. If you were to hear the tape, I was very upset about that. But then this is to me in your book, what became uh, super interesting when it was over, when Atlantis was over um, and Jen left her life, she said, we're going, to, I'm going to sleep for a long time now. Those are the very exact words I told Dolores Cannon in that regression. We are going to sleep for a very long time now. And she didn't know what I was talking about. She thought I meant I was sleepy and wanted to go to bed or something <laughs> in that life. I said, no, we're all going to sleep. We're going to have our memories wiped. We will not remember what we've just lost because there would be uh, no incentive to continue incarnating. Uh, we blasted ourselves essentially back to the stone ages. Right. And so we let's all go to sleep. And Jen said, we, I'm going to sleep for a very long time. I thought, interesting. What is so fascinating was that after that lifetime, after those cataclysms, because there was so much karma and there was so much destruction, so much trauma, all the souls decided that they would try to come together at a certain point again, and we're all back here now. Yes, yes. I mean, to me, I find that's why I think this is so important, and we have to stop treating it like it's a Disney animated movie. This is right. real. There are serious implications. There are serious soul groups who are back, and you're seeing the competing factions of those who are more the spiritualists who are trying to maintain health and harmony in Lemuria and also even in Atlantis. 
and those who more cho choose to control and use people for their own good, whatever that means throughout history, going to Sumerian times, into the story of the Anunnaki, etc. This story, these themes keep emerging. And we have to decide what kind of civilization we want, what kind of people we are. So go ahead and add to that from what you've seen and the final messages that are really coming through from people regarding this period of time and the opportunity now. Well, I think it's so fascinating. And I've learned through doing so many regressions that humanity doesn't evolve in a straight line. It doesn't just go straight up. So it evolves in cycles. And if you think about it, this is really exciting that we are back at this point again, because we are doing so much better. That is what I've heard in countless sessions, that we are choosing better, we are, we are advancing, and we are really doing it. This is exciting. We are, so many people have talked about us going into what is, they call a golden age of sorts. So while it may, might look scary around us and it might look like it's not the case, we're actually advancing. We're actually doing better. It's interesting because everywhere you go around the world, um, I was even in West Virginia, in a little town in West Virginia recently, um, there, was, there were these crystal shops. Um, this was in Berkeley Springs. And of course, I lived in Sedona for many years. And our human fascination over the last few decades with crystals reemerging is interesting. We don't know what to do with them per se for, in most cases, but I think this is a direct uh, remembrance from our days in Atlantis. Any thoughts on how, uh, through these regressions, how people were working with crystals for any of those people who are watching that have crystals and don't know what to do with them? Well, it's so fascinating because so many of the animal people that were um, mutated because of their parents taking the vaccine, they had special abilities. They could use crystals. They would put the crystals up to their forehead head, and they could get information from them. Not only that, but they could use the crystals to create an energy field around them. And I'm sure if you feel drawn to crystals, it's possible that you have that ability. So try it. Absolutely. So, Jen, before we say goodbye, um, and I'll be seeing you again at, at our book club because we have a bunch of people reading your book right now. Um, any final thoughts in this conversation about uh, what you just mentioned a little bit ago about what the opportunity is for all these Lemurians and Atlanteans who are back and gathered together in tribes again? Oh, I think it would be wonderful to just find other like-minded people and just start your tribe again and to go inwards i think is the most important thing to really feel who you really are figure out what you want to do with your life and not worry about what other people tell you you are or what other people tell you sh you should do with your life who are you really because that person is very powerful absolutely and as jen was saying goodbye at the end of that incarnation and and even while she was alive as an old woman um she used her crystals to phone home, so to speak. And I think this is a profound journey for each one of us. Whatever our origin was, many of us are, probably most of us are hybrids of one kind or another. Um, in terms of the original genetic engineering on this planet, experimentations, vaccines, we're all, we're all a product of that. Plus many, many of us came from other places like Jen and have, are now human. And I think the, the opportunity to be able to go inside, like you said, and use our crystals or use our inner technologies to begin asking and exploring and expanding back into 
who we really are, where we came from even before Earth. This is an amazing journey. And I was thinking it would be fascinating to have an Atlantis conference once people, everything's opened up and people are gathering again, for people to come together with their recollections and memories and have a summit where we piece this stuff together. What do you think? Oh, that would be fantastic. You would be I know so many people that would love it. I'll be there. <laughs> <laughs> so also tell us, um, how can people... Um, how can people connect with one of the, it's called QHHT, is that correct? Uh, yes, talk about that for a moment and how people can connect with that network of hypnotherapists. Sure, you can go to the website www.qhhtofficial.com and you can find a practitioner or take a class. Um, you can also... If you want to connect with me, go to www.theholistichypnotist.com and um, connect with me there. That sounds excellent. The thing is, um, just everybody needs a heads up. You're very popular. <laughs> you yeah. have to your pants and wait a little bit. Wait your turn to have an experience with you. And uh, But that it sounds like it's well worth the wait. So, uh, Sarah, I want to thank you very much. I'll be seeing you very soon uh, again. And I really appreciate that you have taken it upon yourself to collate this information to begin this dialogue at a, at a deeper level. And I also thank Jen for her willingness as a total newbie to all of it to uh, go with you in this journey. So thank you to you both. I appreciate it. Thank you. Okay, everybody, we were just talking about it a moment ago. Sarah gave you the URL. If you want to connect with Sarah directly, you can go to the Holistic hypnotist.com. Until next time, thank you for joining us here on reginameredith.com.